Hey, this is Bez Stone. And this is Freya Dietrich. And welcome to the Infinite Relating Podcast. And the reason this works is because we're not going off of something that already exists. Right. And like, we're, we're, like I said, we're excavating, we're completely deconstructing. Yeah. And so it's a different process. It's a ground up, messy mm-hmm. process that we're all in together. Right. Yeah. 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 So I don't even know how this topic, you know, before the podcast, we're always like, what should we talk about? And this often it's based on things that are emerging for us in the week. Yeah. And this one just kind of popped in. I don't know where it came from, but I think you said, let's talk about control. Like, cause it, I mean, it, it's, it's come a lot. It's like, there's been sparks of it mm-hmm. in, in our, yeah. I mean, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, what is a spark that isn't so tender and vulnerable that we're afraid to share it with the right. world, but this feels, so this, have we, we haven't even said what the, no. is. <laughs> so this is control, healthy versus unhealthy, unhealthy. control, mm-hmm. which I think it's really exciting to even explore the idea that there is healthy control because yeah. initially it feels like, oh, control is where we want to step away right. from. Right. Yeah. I think this used to be something I was healthy control is definitely something that is yeah it's a growing edge for me too and something in my consciousness that I'm teasing out you know Mm. because I I I self-identify as a recovering like highly controlling person where I wanted to control especially other people right and experiences I was having but even more so other people more than experiences (laughs) I think I wanted them to do what I wanted I wanted to be able to predict what was going to happen I wanted to feel safe and like create these structures so that I felt safe and yeah, I mostly wanted people to act how I wanted them to be, you know, and that was right. one of the first big pieces of infinite relating to peel away for me was like, whoa, what if I actually wanted someone to be who they are instead of wanting them to be who I want them to be, you know? And I think that that was kind of the first, one of the first unpinnings for me of unhealthy control, um, which is, yeah, trying to have power, you know, over other people, I think would, right. would have been a large, um, an example of unhealthy control for me. That feels like I could feel the excitement as you said that. Like, I think of, you know, like, as I have evolved through life, like, and what my idea of the world was and what how people should act. And if, mm-hmm. and if everybody acted the way that I thought they should, my world would have been really small mm. for a really long time because of, because of my experience and what I was coming from. And so there's this excitement of, like, mm. what if I just, like, what if I just meet people where they are? What if I just love them where they are? And like, it's so unpredictable. I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And that it's risky. Yeah. But it's, it's real. And it's, and it's like, this is how my life keeps getting better and better and more exciting. Like every time I come to my friend or my beloved or whoever I'm relating with, it's like, I don't, when I'm not trying to control, when I'm not trying to predict, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we talk about this a lot on our voice memoing with each other that like, (laughs) you know, I I think if control worked, then I would, I might even be into it, you know, honestly, like if control really worked and I could, because I have that kind of personality, you know, if I'm like, I could absolutely dictate how someone will show up and what they do next and how they treat me and what their interests are and you know, the the amount of freedom that they provide for themselves and for me and, 
you know, that's what the whole thing. Like, it does I sound mean, kind of exciting. Totally, too. right? I feel like many of us could dream up, like, what we consider the ideal person. And then that comes back to what you just said, which is totally true, which is, like, in a static environment of, you know, it's sort of like a weird, twisty, psychological thriller horror movie yeah, or something where totally. it's like, you, you know, control the, the partner of your dreams and you absolutely get to create them out of some strange, you know, computer simulation. Right. And they act exactly the way you want them to, and they do exactly what you want to. And I think most people in that situation would become incredibly bored. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. deeply, deeply bored and unfulfilled. And that feel, that hollow feeling of, you know, we've talked about this at the beginning, too, like the magic of releasing control and having people we care about, partners, lovers, kids, whatever, like, still want to interact with us still Mm. want to be with us still want to give us love and adoration and you know without without us making trying to make make that happen is like the ultimate sense of safety and freedom because it's like I'm not demanding this and yet you're giving it to me anyway yes yeah and I think in the holographic simulation (laughs) you know like scenario it would be yeah I think I could imagine just it just feeling hollow and then feeling like this isn't being given freely. Right. And when something's not being given freely, it actually doesn't feel very good to receive, you know? No, I think that's, I think that's key. It really, yeah, I'm just like feeling into, yeah, when, when I've had notions in the past of like, not even necessarily like my control, but just like the ideas of how we're supposed to show up in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm being a good girlfriend and you're being a good boyfriend or whatever, right. husband or wife or whatever the situation is. Um, and when the, someone is like acting or treating me out of a way that they think they're supposed to, cause that's what a good person does that it doesn't, Yeah. it doesn't feel good no matter where that coercion is coming from. Right. But totally. yeah, but when they're like showing up in unexpected ways and I get to be, um, loved and valued and seen like, exactly where we both are, like, yeah. oh, it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember in, in previous episodes, too, and it's so fun to remember all these things <laughs> for us, even, like, talking about how that's where real, that's how we achieve, like, actual connection, and that was mm. what was so jaw-dropping for me at the beginning of my relationship with Max, was just like, oh my god, maybe for the first time in my life, I'm connecting with an actual person instead of with an Ooh. image of who I think he should be, instead of yes. with my fantasy or my projection, or my fear, or my desire, it was just like, no, I get to have actual connection with another human being, which was, like, really different feeling. True really intimacy. Yeah. yeah, and even if I say that, like, I think, like, that's part of, like, going way back, even, like, the the notion of having the dreams conversation, mm-hmm. the, like, desires, like, initially that felt really intimidating to have that much, like, to be that forward right. when you're first connecting with somebody, but really the intimacy building to like get to like see this side of like this truth, their truth. And you get to share your truth as opposed to like how many relationships where we come together and we're just like, I'm coming here with my assumptions and you're coming here with your assumptions. Right. And I think this is where you're at and you think this is where I, and we have no idea. Right. And so how much of that, like you're moving through where you're not really seeing each other. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, yeah. And it just doesn't have the depth of connection. And it's like, this, I mean, this is a challenge I know in like the real challenge in my relationship with Lee from the beginning is like, I am a raw nerve. Yeah. I feel everything Yeah. because we're, because I'm not, I'm not, we're not operating on this, like what we're supposed to do. It's just like, we're just being open to what is. And that's, it's vulnerable. <laughs> mm. It's really vulnerable. And it's, 
exquisite. Like yeah. it's like I I'm I'm here in this human body to feel it, to experience yeah. it, not to not to predict it and put bumpers and keep myself safe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know Dreams Talk, thir- episode 3, super incredible conversation that Freya and I have curated that's about it was, I think originally it was called like the co- the talk to have before you hook up mm. and then it's evolved to like the talk to have before you go deeper because, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a sexual hookup. It could be sort of a romantic interest or, you know, even, even like a deep friendship or even like a business collaboration. I think the sexual mm. health piece would need to change because <laughs> dreams is an acronym for these, you know, desire relationships, like this set of things that we believe are really essential to talk to before you engage with someone, before we engage with someone, before yeah. people engage with each other, because, because of how much it can, how many pitfalls it can avoid. If you talk ahead of time, for example, about you know, my emotional availability or my time availability, like that I have kids, that I have another partner, that I have this demanding job, that I travel, you know, for a month at a time. And, you know, if people can get some of these details out ahead of time and realize I don't actually, I actually need more than what you're available for, or I actually have less to offer than what you need, you know? And so I think that that, so that's episode three. It's really, really useful. You can get the PDF on our website too. And it just is like a picture on your phone. Um, We've had, we've had lots of dream conversations yeah. with all kinds of people. And I think going back to our topic of healthy and unhealthy control, the dreams talk is a really good example of healthy control. Because mm. like we were saying at the beginning, if you are a spiritual <laughs> Bay Area hippie type person <laughs> like we are, you know, the idea of control is very negative. It's like, oh, my whole job is to release control. You right. know, that's, control is evil and it's wrong and it's bad, especially in relationships. And, you know, I should just let go and be spiritual and <laughs> let the universe guide me, you know, where I want to go. Yeah. yeah. And that's totally true. You know, yes. that is very true for me and very important. And maybe we'll talk about that more. But I think the healthy, the aspect of healthy control is much less discussed in our subculture, at least. Right. You know? Right. And like, I think when we even approach this topic, you were like, is there health? Like, yeah. can control be healthy? Right. You know? And I think the dreams talk is a really great example of healthy control where mm-hmm. I get to have agency. Maybe agency is a better word, you know, an agency versus consent, I think is a really interesting nuance that I've been exploring lately, um, which is the difference between consent is basically like, I would like to take an action, you know, upon you or that will impact you. And do I have your consent to take that action? Mm-hmm. And agency is like, I, I have enough information about what's going on in a situation that I get to choose whether I want to engage or not. So mm. instead of consent is like a kind of a yes or no more. I mean, this is obviously really, you know, it's more, it's more nuanced than that, but the yeah, gist of this. agency versus consent is like, I would like to do something. Do I have your consent to do it? Right. And agency mm. is like, I would like to participate in this experience or I don't want to, you know, like, and so a good example of, of healthy control would be, for example, in the sexual health piece or in the relationship, the R, the S is sexual health at the end of dreams, that someone could reveal that they are in, like, for example, with me, I have a partner and then I have another lover. And so if I was to have a dreams talk with a new person and say, for example, that I'm just going to make like that Max and I um, at the sauce, the event I run once a month, which if you're local, you should come to. Because it's the best. Because it's the best. It's amazing. <laughs> Super fun, erotic dance party event. Last Saturday, or fourth Saturday of the month. Um, at the sauce, Max and Max and I are both completely interruptible. Yeah. So, for example, we 
Um, and that's also an example of healthy control. We have a lot of leeway to play with different people and engage in sexy ways and explore our yeses and follow our impulses. And we are both interruptible. So at any moment, he could come up to me and tap me or just look at me. And I would tell the person I was engaging with, hey, I got to go check in with my partner. And same with him. And so that's that's such a great example of healthy control between Max and me, where we're setting up, we're setting up like, it's like having a steering wheel and having a brake on your car, Mm. you know, like those are both (laughs) examples of really healthy control. Like (laughs) you have no steering wheel and no brakes, like you're just careening through and you're going to hurt people and you're going to hurt yourself, you know? So healthy control is this like, okay, we have a steering wheel, we have some brakes. Um, So that's between Max and me. But then at the same time, if there was another person I was engaged with that was going to be at that event, and I did tell um, Shay this. I was like, hey, I want you to know that I'm interruptible. Max is, to- I'm interruptible by Max at any moment. Yeah. So if you and I are having a really hot dance or a really juicy connection, he might come up and tap me out and then I'll go attend to him and I'll come back and check in with you. And they were like, cool, you know? Yeah. And that's something that um, is another example where in the, like Shay or anyone in that role could also decide I actually don't, I don't want to be interruptible. So right. I don't actually like that. And I'm, I'm going to choose not to engage with you at that event because I don't want to be interrupted by your partner, mm. you know, which is to- also like a hundred percent valid. I love, yeah. I, I love that. Tro- like I li- listening to you say that I feel like th- this is why I feel so safe in this community because, mm. um, because of like the transparency, like, like if I'm engaging with you and somebody tells me that, or we've had other, Lee and I have had other interactions in our community. And it's like one of the first, you know, like we're connecting, we're flirting and there's energy shared. And when they they share like, yes, I have this, I have a partner mm-hmm. and this is our agreement. Right. Like that, that makes me feel so safe. Yeah. Like to know they've got themselves. I don't have to worry that I'm going to cross over your boundaries. I don't, I don't, and there's my challenge with like some of the consent culture. Like I don't have to check every moment. Is this okay? Is this right. okay? Is this okay? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's an attunement and there's a, this like when you're upfront and transparent and you, you can tell me like, these are the parameters I have. Like right. that is a control that actually it like builds the structure yes. that we get to play in Yes, and it feels really safe yes. and, and safe is like another one of those words where I, I feel like I've heard people, um, when you say safe and they're like, oh, that's kind of a buzzkill. But like, no, like safety yeah. is like the structure, which allows me to be like really adventurous mm. and sexy in it. And so Fuck, yeah. when I have those, when I, when, when I have that with somebody and they share, I'm like, thank you. Like, I feel really yeah. safe now. Now I know where the edges are and we can like, we can dance all the way to those edges. Right. But if I don't know where those edges are, we're going to probably play it a little bit smaller. Yeah. Or not play at all. Or not play at all. Yeah. 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 And for, and I'm just thinking about, like, all these light bulbs are going off in my head right now, <laughs> which is really fun. I'm thinking about the podcast, even. Mm-hmm. This is, like, so dorky and little, but I, I'm so a micro excited. detail person. So <laughs> I was thinking that, like, the podcast is usually about 50 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. We rarely go over an hour. Sometimes we're, like, 101. But we monitor this, or I do. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, and that's because, A, that's sort of what it was the first time, so we just went with it. Like, it wasn't a half an hour, and it wasn't two hours. Right, right. And then, so now it's just sort of our consistent time that seems to be when we want to be done. And so I was thinking, like, those of you out there listening know that. Like, people know, okay, it's about an hour or, you know, a little less, and I know what I'm getting into. And also, Spotify or, you know, whatever podcast service you listen on has the little timer, and you know how much time is left. And I was just thinking how different it would be if someone was like, 
you know, listen to this thing or go to this movie or have this experience. And I'm not telling you how long it is. Like you right. have no idea what you've gotten into. Right. Like, you're going to hit play. You're going to sit down in that theater and you are now just completely subjected to mm. an amorphous experience where there's no parameters. Like there's no containment. There isn't any sense of how long you'll be there. You have no idea what you're going to be receiving. You know, like right. that actually, to, for someone like me, that's an absolutely non, yeah, I'm I not kinda, going into I can kind of feel like the stress of like, oh, no yeah, fucking in, way. My, in my system. And actually, as you say this, it makes, it's making me feel excited because I can think of how many like interactions I've had maybe with, with people or an environment or whatever. And I don't know, or, or mm-hmm. I don't, and then I start to get like, I start to get that like trap feeling, even yeah. if it's a really great interaction. Yes. And so it's just like this this um, invitation to me to to even put that as one of my parameters when yep. I'm connecting with somebody. Like, you know what? I have like twenty minutes to connect. Yeah, exactly. And just and then that way we we both know. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like when it's running over. I don't feel like this caretaking. It's just like this is what I'm available for, and that means it's going to be so juicy up until that point. Yeah. And I'm not gonna. My own system isn't going to go into this. Like, well, how much longer is this going to be? Because if it's right. ten minutes, isn't ten minutes is great? But if it's in half an hour, then that stresses me out. Like. Absolutely. You can drop into presence and rebuild mm-hmm. these containers. Yeah. So I love what you're saying there about structure. Like, absolutely. Like these agreements we make or boundaries we have or a- anything like that, that builds <clears throat> structure and it creates like a playing field, let's say that we can enter or not, you yeah. know? And I think that being able to enter or not is healthy control. Yes. You know, it's like, I know what this experience is. I know how long about it's going to be. I know who's going to be there. You know, I know enough. I know right. enough information that I'm a yes, you know, and right. that I'm consenting to this, that in my, in my agency, I am like walking in through that door right. or I'm going on that date, you know? And I really feel like I hadn't really put this together, but I used to be a sex educator and I might start that again, like I've talked about recently. And I, I, I worked mostly with um, couple, heterosexual couples where the woman had lost her sex drive and almost had like a phobia of sex. Mm-hmm. And that can happen, especially after children or, you know, when you've been married for a while or just but often sex kind of degrades, you know, mm-hmm. if people aren't conscious of that. And so what happens is that, you know, women, especially or culturated female people start doing it out of obligation. And once you do anything out of obligation, you stop enjoying it and yeah. it becomes a chore. And then when it's a chore, you avoid it. And then when you avoid it, it becomes scary. And so a lot of people that I worked with, they were actually afraid of sex because they were like, I don't know how long it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to be able to orgasm. I just, you know, what if, what if he doesn't touch me in a way that I like, I don't know how to talk about it. Like there were so many fears and it just had that. And I've been there in relationships too, where it's like, I just don't want to open that door. That door is like so unknown Yeah. and it's been so negative in the past. And we've had horrible sexual experiences together or I have trauma from my past or whatever. And so what I would do was create like a highly structured sexual experience for people where you would set a timer and you would do a sexual act, and when the timer went off, you would stop. So it was like oral sex for five minutes, you know? Wow. And once you remove the goal of climax or the yes. goal of pleasing your partner or the goal of, like, lasting a long time yeah. or, or coming really fast, like, whichever right. end of the spectrum you're going for, <laughs> you know, once that's gone, it's like you can just actually relax and, like, feel your body and enjoy the sensation, and then when the timer goes off, you're done. And, like, you literally, like, that is literally the way that people rebuild their enjoyment of sex with me that was what I would do wow lots of other you know that's yeah, just the, the I love this. but yeah it's like that's a level of healthy control where I know the parameters of the game mm-hmm. and I want to do them and I understand what's going to keep me safe and I, I feel like especially for highly controlling people like me 
like having knowing that I can let go and that it's safe to let go um, requires there being an end point requires mm. there being some walls yeah because otherwise it's just like yeah I'm like on that you know I'm just going down the slippery slope <laughs> of life being like hands off the wheel like right. I don't know I could crash into some trees like and like I said like, I could fly off and I, I, you know. I feel like the, the way you keep yourself safe in that is you contract like you mm-hmm. contract in so you're actually like missing out on so much experience and like I said staying right. in that fear state yes yeah, and actually, I can feel how, like, there's there's kind of, like, two ideas of healthy control here. There's, like, mm. one that's collaborative, which is kind of what we're talking about. It's, like, mm. we're collaborating and we're building the structure together that feels right. like that we both are kind of, we both are have, have a say in. Yeah. And then there is the individual control where I think, like, we were talking a little bit before the podcast that it's really important. Like, I don't get to control you. I don't get to control right. your behaviors. But I, I am in control. And what's that? And you can't. I can't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. More like, I don't get to, and I can't. As much <laughs> as I want to try, um, but I have control over myself and my my own behavior and my yeah. own choices. Not maybe not necessarily my sensations and my feelings, and like right. those are part of just who I am. But but with those, I get to use that information to control what how I interact with yeah. you and and what I think one of the things that I'm learning. Um, it just feels really humbling to say I'm, you know, I'm 43 and I'm just learning that I can control things by asking for what mm, I want and need. Yeah. But that's like a, it feels, I think like some of the obstacles is it feels one scary. Cause if I'm asking you, I'm maybe sharing a vulnerable desire. Yeah. And two, it can feel like really bold. Like how, mm. who do I think I am mm. to ask for this thing? Yeah. Um, but these are, these are like ways that I'm, I'm learning and that I'm especially like, I think with Lee and some of the challenges we've gone through in the last couple of months, it's like, Oh, I, if I, if I can ask for these things, I'm the one who I can get actually keep myself safe in this, in this yeah. part and the way we're relating. it's like, that is the control yeah. that feels like really healthy. Yeah. And, and I think like we acknowledge, or I said before the podcast too, is like, Oh my God, I can ask, like, I've been asking small, like yeah. I can, I can, I can be like outrageous <gasps> and that's so exciting. <laughs> it is. And I think, and like the key to that is like, as long as as long as it's a request and not a demand, mm-hmm. as long as the answer can be no, I yeah. can literally ask for fucking anything. anything. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like my that. Yeah. Every time I really get that, I'm like, oh my god, that is mind blowing. Right. Yeah. Like we. I mean, it's it's like, how do I get to that point? Like, how do I cultivate my life to be a place where I can dream that big and just really tune in with myself and come up with these requests that are like really true for me yeah it's so inspiring yeah and like what's the worst that'll happen people think Freya's outrageous oh no like that actually that's something I could step into for this next chapter totally outrageous Freya outrageous big Freya I love it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that feels really but yeah so I think those I think it feels good to like watch those tightrope walks of like like control when you're when it is when it's in collaboration and when it's owning your own experience like though mm-hmm. it can, that's it's not actually like just okay it's yeah kind of essential for like yeah. really good experiences right it's like having that steering wheel <laughs> having the brakes having the movie have be a set amount of time instead of like an amorphous unknown yeah where you're just like when is this over yeah. you know I mean, that's like such an uncomfortable experience yeah I can yeah, yeah I think of 
maybe not movies, but yeah, just interactions in life where you're just like, right. where like, like I said, you could be enjoying it, right? But you're not because you don't know the structure, right? Yeah, totally. Container. Yep. Yeah, and that's what makes a really good game too. Like I'm a huge board game player. I play a lot of board games with my son and other family members, and yeah, a good game has a lot of structure to it. That's how that works. Yeah. You know? Interesting. I hate playing games, so I wonder what yeah. <laughs> that's like a whole realm to investigate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is also fine. I don't really like movies, or I, I watch zero, almost zero TV shows or series because I don't like the level of commitment I feel like it's asking me for. <laughs> like, this thing has four seasons. I'm uh, like, fuck, I'm not fucking even, like, no, no you know? Yeah. Plus, okay. I just don't like the feeling of watching a screen. Mm. So, yeah, I totally honor that you, you know, not everybody likes board games, but... Yeah, but I'm curious if there's, like, something in there about about the structure. I mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, inquiry. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking, too, when we were talking about structure... Well, I do. I'm gonna talk about two things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just bookmark both of them. One is that maybe I'll do this one first. One is that I want to talk about how, you know, there's the, there's healthy control, which I feel like we're getting a pretty good feeling sense about, yeah, you know. Right. And I think the one of the nuances that's really important and that's been coming up for me a lot in my life is that when when is making a request due to the power dynamic in the relationship not feel like a request Ooh. and not feel like. I can say no or um, trigger that like fawning or freeze response. Right. And that's been something that, um, oh, I got a name for my poly friend mentor because oh, I great. learned his middle name. Yay. His middle name's Patrick. So I decided I was going to call him St. Patrick. I was joking around <laughs> with him and calling him St. Patrick and he was down. So sweet. St. Patrick, my friend who sent me this like 20 minute voice memo about polyamory that changed my life that I've referred to another podcast. Um, has been really supporting me in this in yeah. in learning about the dy- the power dynamics between acculturated men and acculturated women whatever gender you currently are being raised female or being raised male has a very gives a very specific imprint onto people and it's something that me as like a tough kind of you know badass type of person has discounted a lot mm. in my life and just kind of taken the stance of like well I don't I don't ha- that doesn't happen to me or like Right. You know, I'm not one of those weak women that... Because you, know, you don't subscribe to that, so right. it couldn't possibly affect you. Right. right. Even though, if you look at my life, <laughs> I've fawned like crazy around so many men mm. and been in relationships that were extremely toxic, you right. know, and that I didn't know how to get out of and that I felt very powerless in and that I went into that like servile, service-oriented feminine yeah. role that was like, my job is to appease him, he scares me. I don't feel safe leaving. I don't feel safe speaking up. You know, like I've a hundred percent done that in like maybe every relationship I've been in. So wow. <laughs> once it was clear to me, I was like, oh shit, this like a hundred percent applies to me. Um, we got to let the dog in. I think she's at the other door. One second. Okay. All right. We let the dog in. Um, yeah. So this a hundred percent applies to me. And I think that that is a really important nuance that, you know, probably warrants like hundreds of podcasts that we might not be able to get into all the fine print on. But when making a request doesn't actually feel like a request to the other person, Mm. you know, because and I've been going through this in my relationship where there's ways that, yeah, like a male bodied person like exerts a kind of pressure, not because they're trying, not because they're bad, not enough of that. It's just like that's literally how 
men were designed like on a DNA level Mm -hmm. was like to be intimidating. Like that was the whole point. Like their deep voices, like all the hair, the muscles, like what happens when a man gets angry and like the flesh he gets, like literally his muscles like puff out and his voice gets hoarser and louder and deeper. Like, and that is a hundred percent an evolutionary design to scare people. I'm getting really turned on right now. You are? (laughs) Why? You like scary men? No, that's so weird. I don't. Angry men terrify me. You like being scared a little. Apparently I must. That is hysterical. (laughs) That's so funny. Puffed out. I know. Hey, that's that's cool. It's so funny though, because I really I'm so I get so scared around um yeah. men's anger, but apparently, yeah, yeah I've got different parts of oh me. Oh my god, that was so cute. <laughs> wow, I was not expecting that. I know, now there was <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you are. Go on, go on. Oh yes, it's intimidating. Yeah. No, that does make sense though, because I think if I was describing the opposite, you know, we were talking about sort of women's acculturation of being, you know, like docile and servants and like soft and receptive and, and yeah and totally that's something yeah, that's I'm going yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe I it's for a very it's for that safe container yeah. I like it in that safe yeah, yeah like docile totally. container right that's, like in a consenting like kink yeah, of, yeah yeah totally that's, <laughs> that's the part that was coming yeah out. I love it yeah and I mean I'm sure all that stuff is built for sexual attraction too right yeah because of that protective mechanism you know because it's like now we're getting to this like evolutionary science thing or whatever but yeah like like on a on an evolutionary way like women type people were attracted to protective men type people but we were also really attracted to men who treated us well and there's a really great book called the evolution of beauty i don't remember the guy who wrote it it's very sciencey but it really changed my life because he talked about his whole theory is that there's many, like, evolutionary things that have happened that can't be explained by the survival of the fittest thing, which Mm. is, like, a very patriarchal, like, masculine-centered view of evolution. Right. Like, penis size is a really good one. Mm. Like, there's nothing evolutionarily in terms of survival of the fittest that would make human males have such big penises. Because, like, if you look at a chimpanzee or a gorilla, their dicks are tiny. Yeah, yeah. Tiny, tiny, tiny. And they last, like, 20 seconds, then they ejaculate. And that's it. That's it. And so, yeah, there's nothing evolutionarily in the old standpoint that would make sense for why male, human male penises or male-bodied people's penises, like, are so big, or why they have sex for so long, Mm. except that women evolutionarily bred them that way. That's literally this guy's theory. Yeah, it's like we. This makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I love we that notion that women are like them hundreds of thousands of year old ancestors, like literally snuck around and picked the guys that treated them well and that fucked them really well and that had you know sexually pleasing organs oh and that wanted goodness. to treat that wanted to, that cared about women's pleasure because yeah. also like female orgasm has like no evolutionary purpose that the scientists can see right. when you look at it from survival of the fittest. But when you look at it from this co-evolution of like both kind of in the gender binary strategies of like survival and then beauty. So that's why he called it evolution of beauty, which is Mm. like enjoyment and pleasure and connection. And, you know, these things that, you know, the old school evolutionary scientists were like, well, it's only about survival. Right. And that's like such the the males and the puffed up chest and the like, you know, and this guy was like, no way. Women have like bred men to be. To well, be as, as, like, kind as they are now, which I know there's all this stuff, anti-man stuff that's, like, or just, there is a lot of bullshit yeah. still with how men behave, um, 
but dude, they used to be like kill babies, you know? I mean, that's like the evolutionary wow, human ancestry right. is like the alpha male would come in and kill all the kids who weren't his. So like in other we've cultures. come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> or like I mean, animal kingdom. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that was a big side tangent. That was a big side tangent, but I was really enjoying it, and I'm excited to read this book. And I love this notion that we bred them to be yeah. kind and really good lovers. That's good lovers? Yeah. Who care about our pleasure. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's hot. <laughs> That's hotter to me than the puffed up angry man, personally. <laughs> I think the sigh is just like realizing how excited I am that we are in a community of of humans that really mm. care about each other's pleasure, men and women. Yeah. yeah. Like that feels... Yeah. And mm. it's so worth noting because I think it's, you know, in all these conversations for me at least about male privilege or acculturated male privilege, like I do think it's so important to keep that perspective that's like... No, like our we is we have it like the best that anyone's ever had it in this day and age, like ever, like that's what I think at least. Like in terms of like empowerment of all genders, like this is as good as it's ever been. Like you know, it's yeah. getting better and better. It's not like yes, there's still a long way to go, but when I picture like what my female ancestors went through, like oh my god, yeah, you know, I really yeah, felt that's that. That's true. That's true. I'm like I. There's a part of me that believes that there, like, we do come from some really um, kind matriarchies or more like balanced cultures, like way mm-hmm. back in mm-hmm. before, yeah. before we were all colonized. Um, but yeah, in the mm-hmm. in their most recent history, like yeah. this is, and like especially noticing where I come from in a very um, like religious <laughs> small right? town in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, like this community that we're in, where it's just. Yeah, I'm. So, I feel so honored to be with men and women who are yeah doing this work to like care for each other and care yeah. for themselves in such beautiful ways. Yeah, we are so off. Like yeah. we're so <laughs> off topic. I don't know. Okay, we came here because right. We were talking about how sometimes yeah, acculturated male people or or oh, older yeah. people. Yes, yeah. Or more wealthy people, or people of different status levels, or education levels, right? Or all these different, racial yeah. differences, yeah. yeah. All these like right, hetero passing, cis yes. passing, like all these different ways in which privilege. Yes, people have privilege, and so when we make a request, it cannot feel like a request. Yeah. You know, it can feel like based on the power dynamic, I actually don't have healthy control in this situation. You know, and then it becomes an unhealthy situation, even though the person with the privilege might not realize it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or usually yeah. pro- sometimes does. And then they're using their privilege on purpose, which, you know, is also a thing people do. But then right. oftentimes, especially in our kind of conscious communities, that's not something that people, it's a blind spot. You know? Right. Right. No, I think that's really, and that was just one of my side changes. We don't have to keep going down mm-hmm. that one. We could go down my next side tangent. <laughs> feeling into that I'm like what is the antidote to that and I mean for me it just feels like this continual transparency mm-hmm. like anytime either side of us notices something like that or has some vulnerability um that we just we keep speaking to it like mm-hmm. and I think like p- 
part of what I, has really helped me in this realm is like being being really uncomfortable saying the awkward thing or the uncomfortable yeah. thing. I'm like, I don't even know where this is going. Kind of like starting her podcast. Totally. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what to do with this information. I just know I have this feeling or the sensation or discomfort. I'm not meaning. I don't even. It's not even like I'm not trying to imply or accuse right. you, but it's just like. But this is this sensation is coming up with it, and I right. think that's it. Like this, in which I. Again, I think, like, why I love starting connections or relationships with the Dreams Talk or some type of really mm-hmm. transparent conversation. Because, like, the more we can foster that transparency and, like, yeah. I'm committed to to truth in such a way that I'm going to continue to say uncomfortable things. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that feels yeah. like the way to move through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like, absolutely. And I think, you know, the ultimate advancement I don't want to say solution but just advancement for me is privileged people getting educated and then becoming advocates for people with less privilege so that's why I've been enjoying Sir Patrick's teaching so much (laughs) and communications with me is that he has become a really fierce advocate for me to learn about male privilege and it's coming from him yeah and there's something about it coming from like a male-bodied you know male identifying person that makes it me understand like where I finally took it seriously because he was like no Bez like this is affecting you, and wow. even if you don't realize it, even in your really amazing relationship with Max, who's got to be like one of the sweetest men in the entire world right. and emotionally attuned, and like he's amazing. And even in that dynamic, it's still happening, you wow. know. And just like it took, I think, yeah, like someone with privilege really advocating for me, wow. you know, that I think is, yeah, so getting educated. Um, anyway, like I said, that's like a hundred more podcasts, but yeah, it feels important to at least touch on that for sure. Okay. Other tangent. There's one more tangent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The other tangent. I don't know if this is a tangent. This one, though, I I hadn't thought of until 20 minutes ago when we first were talking (laughs) about this. Um, I was starting to wonder if healthy control is specific. And actually, one of the the, um, hallmarks of healthy control is that it's detailed. Mm. It's specific. It's saying something like, I am interruptible at this event by my partner and therefore that could look like, you know, we're connecting and he comes and taps me and I need to leave and then I'll come back, you know, right. very specific. And it's for one event and it's for a specific time, you know? Right. And when I think of general unhealthy control, it feels more vague. It's kind of like, yes. don't do this. I don't like this. Why are you doing that? The um, timeline, this like is, is indefinite. Like mm-hmm. it just never gets to change. Like, right. Yes. That. And it's not a specific request often. Ooh. It's not a specific parameter. Like, yeah, it's not, you know, there's something vague about it. Yeah. And again, I can, I like feel it in my body as you say it. Cause I can feel how if I don't, if there's not specifics, my body contracts, it goes yeah. inward. Cause I'm like, I don't know where the edge is. I don't know. If, is this the thing that I'm going to do that's going to get me in trouble? Is this the thing? Like, I can feel how, like, how my body responds to that. Where, like I said, if we have a specific parameter, I have a specific outline and guideline, I can relax into it. I right. can take up as much space as I need to within that. Right. But if I don't, if there's that lack of specificity, yeah, my body, my body, like, wants to keep me safe. And so it kind yeah. of contracts in where it makes me smaller. Totally. And then, and then it makes me feel like going back into those old relationships where, where that were really toxic. It's like, then I kind of, like, that takes over my persona. Mm. It's like, I'm making myself small because I want to be safe from this person who's right. probably in this world a safe person. But I'm just, like, behaving in this way because right. we don't. Yeah, that, that control or those ideas or those agree, agreements and negotiations aren't specific. Yeah. That feels 
Feels true. Feels really true. Yeah. Really important. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the sense of control too in terms of conflict where there's a conflict that happens or there's sensation that arises and it's uncomfortable. Someone's mm-hmm. uncomfortable or both people or whatever. And <clears throat> this is one of my favorite things I learned from the book more than two, um, which was that they were like, you cannot stop at, I just don't like this. You know, like, and they're talking about polyamory in this book specifically. And when people get triggered in a poly relationship, how the often, the first level is like, I'm just uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel physically ill. I feel, you know, angry. Um, and the authors were like, you can't stop there. You know? right, that's right. not a place to stop because... That's like a starting point. That's a starting point. And it feels like to me that is, if we were to stop there, that has the flavor of unhealthy control where someone's basically saying... I'm really uncomfortable, I'm in distress, I'm grossed out, I don't like this. Right. And then, especially if that's coming from an acculturated male person, for me as an acculturated female person, but this might happen with all genders, I would be like, oh shit, it's my job to make that better. Yeah. And then I would start to ask, you know, what do you need, what do you want? Like, okay, I'll minimize my behavior, like I'll stop seeing this person or let's change something. And that's control, you know, that's somebody exerting like sort of a vague sense of like, this is not allowed. I don't like this. You know, this goes against me. Now I'm going to go into peas and people please right. and caretaking. Absolutely. And yeah. I can see when they, when we dig deeper than that, then we get into healthy control where it's like, okay, what am I really afraid of? What, I, I, I honor that I'm uncomfortable, that I don't like it, that I'm grossed out. What am I really afraid of? You know, and getting deeper into, and this is actually applicable to the situation in my life, like getting deeper into the specifics of what is actually bothering me so that then I can make a clear request about that, which then brings it into healthy control. Yes. So making a clear request like, I feel nervous when you're connecting with someone else that you'll lose sexual attraction to me and how can we, what, what do I need to do to keep myself super attractive to you or to keep our sex life super hot? Mm. That's something that I could actually talk about that could be a healthy control plan. That's like, great, let's have a date night this you know, once a week, let's like start experimenting with this thing we're both interested in, like with kink or with sex toys or whatever. Like there's ways that we can health, like exert healthy control so that our fears are, we're, we're addressing them, you know, instead of just being like, I hope this works out, you know, (laughs) which is also essential. We have to do that too. Like we don't ultimately have control, you know, we have limited control. Yeah. No, but this feel, it does. I feel like this is, um, it kind of comes back to some self-management that we discussed too. It's like, I would say the, say the thing, say the awkward thing. Like I'm uncomfortable. I'm having feeling I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in distress and triggered. Yeah. Like what, how, what, whatever degree that is, that discomfort when it comes up to be able to speak to it. Like I want to hear that from my beloved. I want to feel yeah. safe to share that with my beloved. And also just because I feel, I think like when I was triggered, you know, at the last, not this recent sauce, but the last one is like, that I was able to acknowledge it, I was able to state it, I was able to share it, and also own it. Like, mm-hmm. like th- this isn't yours to figure out, because you yeah. don't have the information. I'm the one with all the, the physical yeah. sensation. I'm a, so it's it's my oh, job to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's my job to, like, maybe even just, like, let it pass through me. And maybe, and, like, I can have your support in that. Like, I mean, for me, like, Lee, having Lee hold me while I, like, felt this like physical discomfort was really supportive right. but it wasn't it was still once I moved through it it was like my responsibility to figure out what that is to figure out what like what wounding is coming from and right. and like what do I need next mm-hmm. it wasn't Lee's job to be like okay do you need this now do you need right. this now like how do I make you safe like because 
Right. Like, he doesn't have the information. I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's so, huge. Yeah. So just, like, owning, and I know we've done this a lot, too, where um, I, 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 like, I'm smiling. I think, thank you for saving my relationship. Because <laughs> there's been times where it's, like, I'm spinning out. I'm having such a high mm-hmm. sensation, like, discomfort in, in some some interaction with Lee, most likely sourced from, like, core wounding, but just, right. like, triggered by him. And and my way to move through it is full of, like, projection and messiness and whatever. Mm-hmm. And if I would just, like, unleash that on him and not process on my own and not process with you or anyone yeah. else in community, like, that could be really hard on both of us. Yeah. Really painful. Really, yeah. Like, not, it just, and so... To be able to take that discomfort, speak to it, and then to kind of take ownership of like, okay, now that it's here, I want to I want to learn more about where this is coming from and right. what to do with it and what I can what I can request right. of you. Totally, yeah. And I think in addition to everything you just said about it being, you know, painful and uncomfortable and potentially destructive, it's also highly potentially, if not almost completely, totally manipulative. Yeah. Or it has the potential to oh, be absolutely. totally absolutely. You know? And we were talking about that a little bit before the podcast where you were like, it's sometimes easier to be the victim. You know, uh, it can be easier and very, very tempting to just be like, I don't know, like you fix it. Oh <laughs> you my know, God. like I'm the one in distress here. Like, yeah. why am I the one that has to figure out what I need and want? Like, I'm the one who's hurting. Totally. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's really important. Like, I, I've had those moments, like awareness of like, like m- me, like, staying in my victimhood like it it's like enticing mm-hmm. it feels safe and warm yeah. and cozy and familiar totally. like I'm a victim you hurt me right now you have to fix it and yes. make it better yes. yeah it feels like it's so hard to be me why is it so hard why can't somebody just take mm. care of it yeah. it is and maybe maybe it's okay to entertain that like maybe that's part of my process but in my own space away from my beloved, it does yeah. not, it does not feel at all okay for me to entertain that and, inv- and invite them, um, against their consent, like just invite them into it. Like yeah. that doesn't, it doesn't feel like the way I want to love the people around me. Yeah. Um, and hopefully maybe the more, if I do indulge in those little moments of it, I can do it less and less, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, that actually didn't get me where I want to go. This version of me is really much more. Um, healing and solution oriented than that old right. version of me that just felt more helpless. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm having like a little convoluted mindfold right now. That's like, <laughs> yeah, like a, the victim position is actually a highly controlling position. Totally. It's basically saying like, I'm dictating the rules of the game right now, which is that I'm helpless and you need to step into either yeah. the role of hurting me or the role of helping me. And like, those are the only two options. Right. Like you can't engage with me in an empowered way because I'm, Oof. I'm weak and I'm disempowered and I need help and I'm helpless. And I, right. Like, can't you see I'm hurting, you know? And it's, it's weirdly a control plan. And I can know? feel like how that can be kind of like the other, the toxic side of maybe some of the masculine power is that mm. can be some of our like um, feminine shadow. Oh, for sure to be able yeah yeah a hundred percent that feels yeah and just like you said like the manipulation of I'm not going to re- make a request I'm just going to like lay all my pain on you mm-hmm. and and like expect you to somehow fix mm-hmm. it yeah 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 and I think maybe I'm really appreciating this distinction we're making between healthy and unhealthy control and this sort of theory that healthy control is specific and unhealthy control is vague, mm-hmm. which is why it's easier at a glance to 
to do unhealthy control because it takes work to get specific. Right. Like it it takes work to crawl out of the victim hole and be like, okay, I'm actually going to know myself. And when you said, I don't, I wish I remembered the exact phrase. I'll have to go back and listen to this. (laughs) But just like five minutes ago, you said like, all the answers are inside of you, you know, like all of the, all of the information. Maybe right. That was it. Right. Yeah. I felt this feeling that I was like, that's, we just excavated something new. Yeah. Like that felt for me really profound. It's like, right. Like, and it goes back to the big joke we have, which is that turning inward is always the answer. It's always back to self. Right. <laughs> yeah. Coming back to yourself is always the answer. Cause yeah, you're so right that like when, when I'm struggling, yes, we talk to our friends. We, I journal all the time. Yeah. We read materials that help us, you know, untangle our thinking and all these things but yeah at the end of the day like the only one who really knows is me the only one who knows what I need is me the only one who knows what I want is me the only way to figure that out is to look within you know and I can think of like how cloudy it can be for me to know what I want and need or for me to know where this wounding is coming from yeah and like so if that's if it's that cloudy for me to figure out my own process like how what can it possibly be for this other person who's on the outside, who's yeah. not, you know, not feeling the sensations in my body, who doesn't have, like, the old stories and wounds from my childhood? Like, it right. seems so ridiculously unfair that I would mm. put that on anyone else to right. guess when I haven't even done the work to to know my own parts. And, I will, that, and I'm going to go back. Like, that's, for me, has been what helps with this a lot is, like, because I want to have, like, compassion for this process. Like, mm. we're... we're we're messy, we're wounded, we're whatever. We've made it through this human journey. Yeah. And we're we're going to have, we're going to fall into these these um, holes of, you know, victimhood and manipulation yeah. and power struggles. Like, right. they're, they're there. We're not, but to have compassion when they come up. Yeah. And for me, again, the biggest thing that helps, my biggest tool for compassion is just the parts work. Is like, mm. oh, this isn't all of me. All yeah. of me isn't a, you know, manipulative victim. Totally. There's a part of me that is. Yeah. I try not to let her drive. I right. just like, I try not to let my anxious attacher drive. Like there's, mm. there's all these parts and they did serve a purpose. They kept me safe. So to have compassion for them. And I feel like when I have a little bit of compassion in that spaciousness, it allows me to find my own clarity and yeah. to get to the bottom of like, when I'm not like judging and resisting, like, oh, this horrible part of me and I can't let it see the light. But I'm like, oh, okay. Like, here's this wounded part. What are you, what are you trying to save me from? What did you, what are you trying to show me? That is what helps me kind of get through. Yeah. So I can, yeah. So I can get to a clear request. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Cause I, as we're talking about this, <clears throat> and as you were talking about the parts and everything, I've just been feeling really agitated, much more agitated than normal and angrier than normal for me. Like mm-hmm. I used to be very agitated and angry all the time, <laughs> but for the last several years I haven't been, and I've been feeling a lot more peace and tranquility and yeah, presence and just love, you know, things that yeah. are really nice to feel. But yeah, the last few weeks or maybe even month, um, but especially the last few weeks I've been feeling more more just like angry and impatient Mm -hmm. and when you're talking about parts I was like oh yeah so I've I've talked about it on here and I know we're nearing the end here but the last few episodes that Max and I are like going through a thing right now you know we really are and we're going through this questioning of like what is the nature of our relationship and what do we both want in terms of especially having other lovers or partners and you know when we met we were both sort of staunchly polyamorous and like yep yep that's me that's Mm -hmm. what I want I was like great cool me too even though we didn't want a relationship, we ended up in one, <laughs> which we're both extremely happy about. And it feels amazing. And I love him to the ends of the earth. And there is this question we're going through right now of like, yeah, what is, what is, um, 
what type of relationship do we both want and are those compatible? Right. You know? And so it's been a huge process for me. And there's been a lot of fear and a lot of truth and self-love and self-connection. But what's really striking me right now is that I think even today or yesterday when I was leaving you a voice memo, <laughs> you know, we've been, there's no resolution yet. Like, we don't know yet. And the other day I did tell him, like, I'm ready to know. You know, I'm ready mm. to find out where we both stand on this thing. But there's some way I'm catching myself right now that aside from that clear request, I've been having more of those just like frustrated feelings, mm -hmm. you know, just like we're saying, that's a bit victim-y that I'm Ooh. like, oh, I just don't like this. I'm not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. Like I can't keep doing this. And I've been feeling angry and I've been feeling agitated and I've been having some more of that kind of grr, you know, yeah. energy that is just one part of me. And I hadn't thought of it as a part until you were just talking about parts. It's like, oh yeah, I've been totally letting that part drive. That's just like, Let's get this fucking moving, you know, like, I don't have time to waste. Like, what are right. we doing? Like, are we in? Are we out? Are we changing things? Like, is everything okay? Is it, is it going to shit? Like, I just want to know what the fuck is happening, you know? <laughs> right. And yeah, and that is a valid part that I can listen to, but it reminds, or I should, but it reminds me of what I was talking about with more than two, where like, I can't stop there and I've been stopping there. Ooh. And actually what I need to do and what I'm going to do right after this is like, go <laughs> deeper and be like, what am I actually afraid of? Like, why am I so uncomfortable with this kind of you know, I've been calling it this limbo state that we're in, but there's so many different ways to talk about that, yeah. you know, where it could be a very positive thing of like deep exploration into our truths, you know, but right. I've been framing it in my heart, especially since yesterday as more of like this kind of burdensome, scary, dangerous place to be. It's like, if we don't know where our boundaries are, what our truth is or what kind of relationship we want, like we're kind of dead in the water and it scares me. Right. You know? And so it feels... Yeah, I, I think that I feel really empowered and like, I yeah, I, didn't, I hadn't seen that until wow. now that like I've been stopping at more of a surface control level. That's like, hey, can we come to a decision? Right. Which is pretty controlling. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited that yeah, me we've, too. we've um, covered this during our podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and instead it's like, okay, what am I really afraid of? What's really bothering me? And then how do I make a specific request about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things coming up for me too, <clears throat> listening to you is like, I feel like anytime there's a sense of urgency, mm. that is like a light bulb that wait, something, yeah. something is kind of off or maybe yeah. like one of my parts is kind of operating. Like for me, yeah. like usually it's my anxious part has urgency, but for you, like in this it's the case, it's maybe mm -hmm. a different part that it's like, yeah. Because I feel like when we're grounded when we're like solidly in our truth, yeah. that part isn't doesn't really run on urgency right you know it's totally true right it's like I'm clear I know what I need I know I can talk about what's troubling me yeah I, I can make direct requests yeah. yeah exactly Ooh, it's really exciting it is <laughs> yeah it is because because that's I think the the agitation comes from that feeling of powerlessness and we right. talk about this all the time like anytime I'm outside of my own experience, I'm anxious. Like anxiety mm -hmm. is being out of my experience and thinking I have control over someone else, thinking I have control over a situation when I don't. And so that is, as much as it's like, oh, I don't know how to explain this well, but I can feel it in my head, like the celebration of like, oh my God, I get to, <laughs> I get to go inside and, and learn how to take care of myself. Yeah. Like, oh my God, then I can feel better, you know, instead of being like, I need to wait for my partner to figure something out or for them yeah. to make a decision or for them to you know, see me for who I really am or to, you know, make these changes where then we can be together, then they'll appreciate me or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever the thing is that people are stressing about. It's like, no, like that is the agitated, angry, anxious, however that plays out. 
because it's like I'm waiting. I'm waiting for them to do something it's as opposed waiting. to like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go inward and I'm going to decide, you know, what I need and how I want to orient myself. And I think that this might be another episode topic. I don't know if it's like a whole <laughs> topic, but it was when I was thinking of today. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat and my lungs are so a little weird. Um, which is like when when no response is a response. Mm. That for me gets me really hung up, and I think that's what's getting touched in me right now. Is like when my partner is like, I don't know, or they're not showing up in finger quotes, or they're not um, coming in with clarity. Mm-hmm. I have hung out in that space for like years before, uh, where he's like, I yeah. don't know, I don't know. Like totally. I'm like, are you in or are you out? And he's like, I'm not sure. Yeah. And I instead of no- realizing that that is a response and knowing how to take action to care for myself with reality exactly as it is today. Yes. It can be like, well, I'll just wait. I'll wait for him to decide. I'll wait for him to figure it out. I'll wait for him to decide if he wants to be with me or not or like is he in or is he out or does he like this plan or you know and just realizing like okay at the moment my partner is unsure and so what do I do to care for myself in that situation yeah I feel really excited like because this is that it's that notion of like that radical acceptance of like this is this is reality right here yeah and it includes mess and it includes uncertainty right and w- instead of like waiting for some future yes. where things are like tied in a bow yes. it's like what do i want and need to do with this reality this version yeah. of it right here right now yeah that feels really exciting Mm, I love this topic. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. The the unknown ending, the mystery ones are, are yeah. fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're excited because, or I am, because... Uh, we. I think we both are. <laughs> because we are starting some in-person events. Yes. Which we're, we were planning it out this morning. We had a little business meeting before the podcast, and we're like, okay, 2024, what do we want to bring? Yeah. And so the things we have in the cooker are... Local, we're Santa Cruz, California, so I know a lot of our listeners are locals, and I know lots of you are from all over the world, yeah. so we have options for everybody, <laughs> but for our locals, we're going to start, and we'll give many more details next episode and beyond, but we're going to start, we're forming a kind of in-person meetup yeah. group where we get to meet once a month and talk about information, ask questions, share your experiences, create community, which is so essential, Yes. and then we're also looking at developing some online courses for people who are afar or just who want to go deeper in this material because yeah we're we're really excavating these truths that seem to be working for us and it seems to be resonating with a lot of people yeah so wanting to honestly it's also it's also like a purely selfish thing because we're like (laughs) okay what are our core principles and like let's go more into detail about them yeah well and I think what we keep seeing is like I think I think it can be sometimes intimidating or it can feel abstract to listen and be like, oh, I love these ideas. I love these ideas. But how do how do they apply yeah. to my relationship? Right. Especially I feel like if you're in an existing relationship mm-hmm. that started before you've heard of infinite relating, right. it can feel more intimidating. But I, I think there are like there's there's really key things that can help shift. Yeah. And that's yeah. And that's yeah. And it all starts with your inner, your own inner work. So it, it feels yeah. really exciting to share that with people. <sighs> so stay tuned Till next time. All right. Love you. Thanks for listening to the show. Hang out with us more at infinite relating dot love and stay infinite.